We're digging in the book of Ephesians. Last time we took all 15 oh, minutes you, with just the first verses. two verses. So you can tell we're not in a hurry. No, because we want to dig. It's so rich and beautiful. Yeah, some deep beauty here. So we're in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Mm-hmm. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean, blessed is the God? I know when I'm blessed because God gives things to me. So how is God blessed? That type of material blessing is Mm -hmm. only one part of blessed. When you bless someone, refer to them. You you say the truth of beauty about them. You give them positive regard. So when he says blessed is the God and Father of our Lord, so he's uplifting him, giving him regard, giving him honor. Let me give you another text. Bless the Lord, bless his holy name. Yes. And then it goes on and says, and praise him. Okay. So bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, praise his holy name. So blessing in that context is praising. Back down in Revelation, the angels and the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they all bless and praise God. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Praise God based on what God has done. And now we're going to find out what he's done. It says, who has blessed us with every financial blessing. No, that's not what it says. With every social blessing. No, that's not what it says. With every physical blessing. No, sir. No, no. What is it that God has blessed us with? spiritual blessing. Well, he's given us all those other things, but here the focus is on the spiritual blessing. So it would be uplift the name of God and Father of Jesus, who has bestowed on us every spiritual blessing in in heavens, in Christ. In the heavenly places in Christ. So we've got some things to put together to figure out. Because it's not just on you. Number one, it has to do with Jesus. Yes. Number two, it has to do with heavenly places. Heavenly places like God's throne room. So God's throne room is the real temple, the real sanctuary. Okay. Do you remember the sanctuary that was made on earth? Yes. Moses' day during the Exodus. That was a copy, a miniature scale copy of what's really in heaven. And they acted out the process of getting the sin taken off the person onto a sheep or a goat or a calf or a bull or a turtle dove, and then into the sanctuary. In the days of Moses, all the way down to when Jesus came, the sanctuary was a symbolic portrayal of people coming to God and their sins being taken off them and put on an innocent victim that then died. All of that pointed to what Jesus would do for real. No lamb's blood covered sin. So is that what it means by spiritual blessing in the heavens? Is that reconciliation, that atonement, that forgiveness of sin? At the end of it, it says in Christ. Without Christ, nothing would have happened. But by Christ dying on the cross, he provided the blood of the atonement. When Jesus died on the cross, he was resurrected. And where did he go? Back to heaven, (laughs) right? He goes back. What's he go back to heaven for? To stand at the right side of the throne of God, interceding on our behalf. What gives him the right or the authority? Because he conquered. He conquered death. When we are seeking salvation, that request comes up to God, 
And the only question is, did they accept you, Jesus? Mm -hmm. Are they right with you? Mm -hmm. And if Jesus says, yes, that's one of mine, immediately the sin record goes off, Mm -hmm. gets erased, and the person's name is written in the book of life. Mm. That's what he's talking about. When I read that, I thought that referred to the fruit of the Spirit. By the way you're explaining this, every spiritual blessing in the heavens... In Christ. It's about salvation. Because it's about salvation. It's about grace. Yeah, grace yeah, yeah. isn't to yeah, make yeah, yeah. our life better here. Grace right. is to get us to out get of us there into to, eternity. To make it so that we can be with God again. So that's where we've been seriously blessed. We have no future, no hope of heaven, except that Jesus came to earth, died, earned the right to remove our sins and save us. You see, the only way God can save us is if he can somehow separate us and our sins. And he can't do that unless he has the authority. When he died on the cross, he earned the authority. Mm -hmm. When he resurrected on Sunday morning, he was on a path straight to heaven so that he could begin the next stage of Mm -hmm. our redemption. Mm -hmm. The dying part was finished. He said, it is finished, and it was finished. But the whole part isn't finished. Jesus had to do the atoning part. This is something you're going to see repeated over and over again. The last two words. In Christ. In Christ. In Christ. We we can actually count those as we go through. Is that right? And we're going to find out that there is like nine or 13. Wow. I can't remember exactly how many. But it's, a, it's an amazing number of in Christ. Hmm. And what Paul's message is, is just simply you've got to be connected to Jesus. And when you are, you're set. So let's go to a verse and talk about predestination. Okay. Predestination <laughs> is one of those words that has been a battle people against people. And the Bible's really clear what the Bible means. You know, we have to be careful of just reading a word in the English and deciding for ourselves what it means and then going to town with it. That's the truth. We really need to take it in the context of the whole Bible. And the whole Bible is very clear about God and his intentions. Mm. So read, read the next verse, verse okay, 4. Verse 4. For he chose us in him, which would be in Christ, right? There's the second in yeah, Christ. Right. Before the foundations of the world, to be holy and blameless in love before him. One more. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good ple- pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Oh, it's in the beloved one? There's another in Christ. (laughs) Let's just be clear. Who did he predestine? Who did he choose? Everybody. It says just as he chose us. us. Is it just the followers of the way? Is it just the Ephesian church? Who's the us? Well, God being God, he's not going to want some to not be with him. How many people does God love? Everybody. So for God so loved the... World. That's pretty That's inclusive. very inclusive. <laughs> the world means everybody. Everybody. Now, is that the only verse that says that? Oh, no. No. Oh, no. You, you just listen and as you read through the Bible and you're going to hear verse after verse where God is asking, calling pleading with people to come to him and be saved. So, so basically what these are saying is before the foundation of the world, 
God wants everybody. He chose everyone to be in perfect relationship with him. Yeah. That's what he wanted. He, he chose everyone to be holy and blameless in love. God had to put together a plan. Before he could create Adam and Eve, mm. God wanted to have a way to save Adam and Eve if perchance they sin. And anyone else, by the way. Right. God had to put a plan together. You read this in Peter, that before the foundations of the earth were set, God had predestined or chosen his son to die for the world. Right. This predestined thing is like a way of saying God had a plan. It's not a selective plan. Right. That doesn't fit with the rest of scriptures. Right. God chooses a plan and a man, Jesus, so that everyone has an opportunity. Mm -hmm. When did he make that plan? Before the foundation of the world. It says right there in, in verse 4. Yeah, before he created a person, he already, he already had a plan had to plan save that person. Already set in place. Already in place. Yeah. And what was the plan? Let's read again the plan. It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, holy. without blame, and before him in love. There's okay. love in there. The, these three things are really important. Yes. Holy as opposed to sinful. What's his plan? To make us holy instead of sinful. Without blame as opposed to with blame. Right. So those first two have to do with being judged, saved, save of all, safe to save. The plan was about fixing the sin problem. Mm. And what's it all wrapped up in? Love. That's the bow. The bow is that you're going to be holy, miserable, but holy. No, 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 no. You're going to be holy, you're going to be blameless, and you're going to be filled with love. Mm. He's not going to save us and then punish us. He's not going to save us and hold it over us. He's going to save us and then he's going to bring us home to love us. What's his goal? Love us. I don't see punishment coming from God against people, either the saved or the wicked. I see cleansing and I see consequences. And those consequences can be interpreted as punishment. But really, because they're painful. God made a way so that everyone could be saved. Yeah. Your choice.